Welcome once again to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Propreneur Podcast. Uh, my name is Dino Watt. I'm your host, as always, and just excited again for another amazing guest. And one of the reasons why is because it's really the genesis of me starting in the career that I have right now over the last uh, 12 years now, I've been helping uh, practice owners inside and outside of their practice with growing cultures and being able to create more for their lives. And today, we're going back to my roots, right? We're going back to uh, an industry that I really love, an industry that I'm really excited about. And as you know, as listeners of the show, I often talk about it's about being a private practice owner. It doesn't matter if you're a chiropractor, a dentist, an orthodontist, a uh, plastic surgeon, uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor, if you run a private practice and you have people who you are trying to serve and who are serving with you as in a team, this is the place for you. So thank you for being here. And I want to introduce our guest for today, Dr. Vincent Punteriri, right? Punteriri, right. Punteriri, yes, I did it right. As I often say, look, I, I grew up with Dino. I mean, come on, people may mess that up all the time. So... <laughs> So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Now, um, I need to ask, where are you calling in from? Los Angeles, California. Oh, mild stomping grounds. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I got, my wife and I both born and raised in California, and uh, LA was the place we used to hang out a lot. Well, excited to have you here. Please give everybody a quick introduction of who you are, what you do, and how you got to this place in your business right now. All right. Well, my name is Vincent Punter, as he stated. I'm a chiropractor. Um, I got to where I'm at in my own private practice um, kind of directly. I, when I got out of school, I went into a corporate practice and became one of a number of chiropractors with medical doctors with a big corporate practice. Mm -hmm. And what I ended up doing is building with that practice and becoming a manager in the practice and the chief operating officer where I was running all the clinics and all the other doctors and not seeing patients as much as I would have liked. Um, then ran into the situation where the owner of the company decided to sell it and he sold it to a New York firm of investors. Mm. And they ran into some problems with healthcare and they decided they didn't want to be in it any longer and wanted us just to shut down the whole operation. It was a large operation, and I refused to do it directly. So mm. told them I could do it over 90 days, but they weren't very happy with that because I told them they were live people in this thing. And sure. Can't just, can't just put a sign on the door. Yeah. And then um, when I finally closed everything, they let me go. And I, got, and I realized at that point I didn't want to be under the thumb of any accountant. Um, or anybody is not connected with healthcare and patient care. So I decided that where I needed to be was in private practice. So in September of 1996, um, I took a leap of faith, a little bit of dollars in the bank, and started a space and stepped out into the chasm and trusted chiropractic to carry me. And I've been in private practice ever since. Wow. Uh, so you jumped into that, yeah. uh, that business ownership void that we all hope there'll be another step after the next step after the next step. Yeah. I just stepped right into it. Um, 
I'd gone on and gotten an MBA as well. So I knew mm. something about organizational development and running a practice sure. or running business. So, and then I uh, moved along and hooked up with the affiliate group that I affiliate with now that allows us all to have our own individual practices, but we support each other. It's mm, nice. It's a lifestyle affiliate practice. And, but I've been in private practice since uh, September, 1996. Wow. And I've so, been in since then. Wow. I'm excited so, to hear about, um, I always love to hear the origin story, which I want to get to for sure. Like, what made you choose chiropractic or did it choose you type situation, right? Um, actually, let's do that first because my question is around your MBA and what you experienced there, but let's talk about your story. Why did you get into mm-hmm. chiropractic? Well, I was uh, studying science and doing body work and other healing modalities as I was dancing professionally. Really? And yeah. What and type of I dance? The point, modern concert modern work so i know you don't and, know this because we've never uh, met before but you know i was a dancer in la for years i didn't know that yeah no, i was a, i was a dancer i was a tap jazz and ballet that was my thing and oh, wow. it's so fun wow so you know i know what you're talking about when you have to take care of your body uh, and and like you're dealing with yeah. that, a lot of stuff yeah and you probably also know that you reach a point where you build lots of character and nothing else yeah <laughs> <laughs> And so I started, I looked to uh, expand my healing practice. And I looked at medical school, which I could have gotten into, and decided it was too hands off at the time. This was back in 19, you know, the early 80s, late 70s. And, um, and then decided chiropractic was more in line with how I thought, how I thought about health, and how I thought about the ways I wanted to practice. So I uh, stopped dancing and jumped right into school and went into chiropractic school and went from there. So and, that's and, how I got there. In your journey, like I've, I've had chiropractic my whole life. Uh, well, I won't say my whole adult life. Um, my kids have all had it. My wife's a massage therapist. Uh, she's not practicing right now, but she you know, saved our butts for years as somebody who was able to be, do massage therapy while I was trying to figure stuff out. What have you for yourself uh, noticed the biggest benefit of chiropractic and body work in general? Well, for me, it became very clear from the very beginning that chiropractic worked more in the line of keeping you legitimately healthy Mm. and opening your body to the point where your nervous system and your spine can work with the innate intelligence inside you that can heal you. And understanding how the soft tissue works in balance with that then also added to my understanding of how the body works. I also studied anatomy and physiology from the time I was a little kid and got a pretty good idea of um, how, the, how the body would work and how the soft tissues and the skeletal structures are working hand in hand. Wow, and I love it's it. It's a benefit for beyond belief. So you became obviously passionate about it because you not only saw the benefits of it, but yourself obviously throughout the years have, have been a benefit, have been a factor of those, uh, those, those benefits. So benefactor of those yeah. benefits, a recipient of those benefits. Let's go with that. Uh, so now to my question about your MBA, you, you mentioned you had gotten an MBA um, and then, so you had some knowledge around uh, business ownership and, and management 
Let's talk real quickly, though, about the difference between book knowledge and actually practical, because owning right. a business, obviously, totally different than what they tell you in school. Yes, yeah, much different, much different. And the emphasis I did, I did it while I was still uh, chief of operations for that large management mm -hmm. company. And my forte in business was in organizational development and people management essentially, mm. working with the folks in office and those kinds of structures. Super important. Not much in the way of finance. You know, was not a finance guy. Yeah. Did my thesis in finance, try to teach myself some more. So the financial end of business was a little tough to get used to. And going into private practice, didn't use a lot of the organizational skills that I had. I had developed over the time I was with that large company. And with the large company I had, 475 people underneath me. So I was doing a lot of organizational organizational development. But in private practice, I haven't used it as much, except to understand the sort of big, big the big picture of how businesses run. So what's interesting and is uh, oftentimes I talk to people who have gotten uh, their degree in, in say, ortho, orthodontics or dentistry or uh, medical practice, and yet, Obviously, the one thing that's not taught to them is how to run a business. So you were able to go through an MBA program, learn the aspects of running a business, obviously focusing in on the, the, the people management, the human resources, if you will, what I believe is the true human resources, understanding that. So how, um, how have you been able to translate that knowledge into running a practice in a business today? Uh. One of the things that I have been able to translate quite readily is working directly with patients mm. and learning, understanding how to listen to them more directly and tap into what, what their strengths and what they're looking to maintain as strengths uh, very quickly. And those are skills that I had developed over time and then through the MBA program as well. So those organizational skills of dealing with patients and time management and organizing patients, uh, it was an immediate, immediate uh, godsend to me. See, seems like that would, uh, would be such a uh, really interesting and necessary uh, thing to understand in, in, in the chiropractic profession because, you know, all of the medical fields, you are definitely obviously getting uh, intimate with people, right? Whether you're a dentist and you're getting into their mouth or you're a doctor and you're having to, you know, touch certain parts of their body. You're like having to really maneuver people's physical body in ways that sometimes they're not comfortable with. Sometimes they're walking scared, unsure, anxious of what's going to happen, especially if it's the first time, uh, but they're in pain. And so I'm assuming that those skill sets that you had to learn really have translated well and, and necessarily into helping people get comfortable, relax, let you do your, your work that you do. Yeah, quite, quite certain, yes. I'm quite certain that that has been very helpful. The um, patients come in, and it's much different than going to a medical doctor, where even though there is some intimacy, they don't really touch them, they don't really talk to them as deal, or at least they do more, more now. I will give my medical brethren uh, that credit. But when I was looking at going into chiropractic college, it wasn't happening. And it's easier just to give a pill and send somebody on their way or sure. write, do the standard, standard of care. In my business, I have to try to explain to somebody why I'm adjusting their neck. 
Yeah. And, and giving them the uh, space to be nervous about it. I don't yeah. try to stop them from being nervous. I give them the space to be nervous. And that I learned by how to run meetings and how to read people in meetings and how to read what is making somebody nervous and where they want, where they want to put their input. So in the survey, adjusting patients takes some education yeah, for and, sure. and particularly allowing them to be nervous. Yeah. So with that, that's obviously been part of the reason why your practice has grown. You have that personable connection with people helping them. I love that you say this, giving them the space to be nervous. It's okay. You're not, not trying to prevent anything. You're trying to help them either work through it uh, helping them find that kind of cure, if you will, um, even if that's an eventual cure, because sometimes it takes more, oftentimes it takes more than one uh, visit. One of the things that I know is is a challenge in your insurer, can be a challenge in the industry of chiropractic, and I think can probably cross over definitely into the medical world, uh, orthodont, I, I mean, dentistry, um, dentistry and a lot of different specialties actually is the emergency care that people come to you for versus the um, preventative care, right? right? So how do right. you help educate your, uh, your, your clients on the power of the preventative care side of things? Because, you know, somebody comes in, oh, my neck hurts, fix it, doc. You can fix it. But if they don't do the regimen to have some preventative care, they're going to be back there in the emergency, sometimes it's worse. So how do you help educate them in that? Well, one of the biggest things I do and, and function on is the concept of the 100-year lifestyle I deal with. Yes. Let them know that they're going to be living a long time. And we want them to be feeling good and healthy from first breath to last. And they certainly can do that. Um, I move away from saying things like using terms like preventative and things like that and try to get them to understand lifestyle. Nice. So that they move chiropractic care and that kind of care, both massage, soft tissue work, chiropractic, and eating and all those kinds of things into a lifestyle that's going to give them the best possible life. You know? it, re- it really and is holistic. Very holistic. Yeah. And I'm very much structured in that way. I don't sell lots of products and anything like that, but I want people to understand what is going on with them, and then make the decisions they can for a, on a lifestyle basis. Underst- I always also impress upon them when they come into pain, that the pain will go away. The pain most certainly will go away, mm-hmm. and try not to make that the end goal. Because, you know, it, the end goal is making them having a lifestyle, building their lifestyle, so these kinds of things don't reoccur on a regular basis. And that means changing a lot of their lifestyle how they sit, how they work, all those kinds of things. So how that's much, my approach. To it. It, mm-hmm. it's, it sounds like you, you also then have to help people change their mindset around that, right? So you've got your Absolutely. physical, you've got, the, you've got the medical side of things, whether it be the internal medicine, but now you've got the mental side of it. So how much of your work is really dealing with the mental side and the mental pain versus just the physical pain they're going through? Of, of most of it. I have wow. to be really honest, most of it. It really, to get people to move into a lifestyle, they, and understand the idea of continued care and that it's not just going to go away immediately like with one visit, like giving you an opioid or something. Yeah. Pain away. 
Um, you need to do what Dr. Plaster in the 100-Year Lifestyle has, teach, has given us in a training. In the past, where you turn something they perceive as a need to something they perceive as a want. And they then understand how good they feel. And what they, I suggest to them at that point that they want to stay that way. And so the best way to stay that way is to make the lifestyle changes needed to keep them that way. And that usually resonates. That's probably, I, I can imagine, even for myself, sometimes it's the hardest thing to do is to change the, is to have that lifestyle shift, right? Because you've built up these habits, you've built up these, uh, these modes of living, if you will, that you feel is normal. And now you're asking them to do the abnormal, which will get them back to normal and healthy, but it's still, you have to be abnormal. So there's that conversation around, well, what does this look like? What do you want this to look like in the future? And the vision of yourself if you want that, then you have to work, do these certain things. If you want six-pack abs, you can want all day long to have six-pack abs, but until you actually do the work, you're not going to get six-packs. You know, I, I, I'm a True. testament to that. What I try to tell people once they're reaching that point is make simple comparisons or to their world around them that they can understand. Uh, one, of those, one of those is... I tell them they're live. I often joke with them that they're living in an IT commercial mm. where it's time to just do it. Yeah. Just have to do it. Yeah. And also get them to understand that they can do stretching and exercise throughout their work day. Five minutes here, five minutes there. Ah. By the end of the day, they've stretched for an hour and make some changes in that way. So that they'd understand that lifestyle changes can be incremental and built into their world. And it doesn't just have to be this, I need three hours a day and do all that kind of stuff because people are busy. You know, that's a really, that's a really great point that I, I know I do this. I'm sure many people listening do this to where when you think about change, we think of this huge, like, okay, you know, we're, we're close at the time of this recording, we're close to the first of the year. So people get into those resolutions, right? All right. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to, I'm going to eat totally a vegan diet or I'm going to eat a total keto diet or whatever. And they just go extreme. (laughs) Instead of just the idea of, you know what, I could just cut out like processed sugar. I could just, you know, eat more vegetables and start there and then get into that habit and then move to something else. However, you know, I'm really interested in this 100-year lifestyle idea because I I have a couple of clients from before who've talked about it and I've been introduced a little bit to it. But for those that are listening that don't know, what does that really involve? What do you mean when you say a 100-year lifestyle? Well, it involves first understanding that you're going to like, for the patient, that they're going to likely live a lot longer than they think. And that you want to make sure that you're going to have the best possible life you can have from first breath to last. And that you can do a lot around that. And that's where the lifestyle comes in. Lifestyle comes in is that you're living a, a lifestyle and you make changes in your lifestyle and how you do things with the idea in mind that you're going to live to be about a hundred, you know, very close to it. And when that realization comes in and people understand that they're in control of it and they can do a lot to make that wonderful throughout their lifestyle by making some lifestyle changes, then the magnet sort of flips for them and they can jump right into the idea that I can control this and I don't have to be old and feeble and infirm when I'm a hundred. Um, I use examples for them on 
multiple basis with the 100-year lifestyle in terms of introducing them that there is such a thing as the uh, Centenarian Olympics mm-hmm. where people have new lifestyles and they're yep. competing in, in a, their own Olympics when they're 100 years old, yep. that there are people doing wonderful things well into their 100th, 100th year. And not, they don't have to be old and cheap. Just an idea of living a lifestyle that does it well. And it is based a lot on keeping your spine and your nervous system working well, I will admit. Sure, yeah, keeping that whole, the whole function of it. Like, you got to keep the, the, the gears, you know, greased, and you got to keep yeah. all the in, in inner workings happening, plus the mental side of things, which I would imagine. Um, so I'm, I'm being in this thing right now with my kids where I have three kids, youngest 19, uh, oldest 22, right? And they often talk about this thing where they got to figure it out, right? They're going to college. Like, oh, I got to get to college and figure that out. And, you know, I, I want an adult now and stuff like that. And, and that's all fine and good. But I also remind them that they're literally at 20% life right now. Like, they think they've lived this long thing. They think yeah. they got to figure it out. I'm at 47%. Like, I'm not even halfway there. We're going to 100 years, right? I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm not even halfway there. What I've done in the last half of my life I've done a lot of stuff and I've been very blessed and, and happy to do that. A lot of experiences. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the next half is, but I have to, I know for myself, have that total mindset of, Oh no, that a hundred, that's possible. Um, it's exciting and I can get a lot of stuff done. What's cool about that is no matter where you are right now, right? According to, if you think about it, a hundred years, if you're at 50, if you're at 60, you're only at 60%. There's a lot more to live. Yeah. Uh, Tony what? Robbins, what? I think what? it is. Tony Robbins has that saying that says, we as humans, I'm probably going to mess this up, we, but we underestimate what we can get done in a long period of time and overestimate what we can do in a short period of time. And I don't know, maybe you run into this, but for me, sometimes I run into the problem of, I have a goal, I have an idea, I have something I want to do, but if I can't do it in three months, then why do it, right? Instead of realizing, but I could hit that goal in 12 months or two years, and it would still be hitting the goal. Yes. So when patients yeah, come to you, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's part that's of the conversation. Because they'll say, well, I want this done. You know, I want to change my posture and stand up straight and do all these other things. And I want to do it by next Tuesday or yeah. next month. Yeah. And I think, well, that's not going to work. Um, it took you 15 years or so to exactly. get you. Um, you can change it in a month. And I said, you're likely going to hurt yourself if you try. Yeah. And I try to get them in the pot of thinking that, well, if I do it incrementally, making incremental decisions and making changes one step at a time, one action at a time, rather, and think about the long term rather than the immediate moment, then it's a lot easier for them to start understanding of what they can do. And I give them time frames. I'll tell them your posture is pretty messed up. You're sitting a lot. It may take you a year, year and a half to change your posture. So you'll be a whole new human being and you won't hurt yourself along the way. Because that's usually the pattern that they're used to. Yeah. They try to get a new month, they hurt themselves, and they can't do anything anymore. So I try to slow them down and understand that it changed, lifestyle changes one decision at a time, one motion at a time. So and people can buy into that a lot easier. 
Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, you know, even as you're talking, saying that, I'm like, yeah, it's true. I, it's like, oh man, I just want to get. We're we're in such an immediate gratification world right now, and wanting to hack everything, right? How do I hack my posture? How do I hack my health? And really, it's about being patient with it and knowing that putting in the work now, like you said, for a year, year and a half, is going to give you the rest of your life of feeling great. Yes. Wow. That's, that's exactly awesome. it. And when they understand that they have a long time left to live in the, in the 100-year lifestyle, one of the teaching approaches for patients is to get them to understand something called the empire, the minimum potential years remaining. Mm-hmm. And which is usually a major eye-opening for folks because, uh, you know, you ask how old is your grandparents? They go, oh, my grandfather lived to be 110. I said, well, you're 50 now, so you have another 60 years. And that's a, usually a big eye-opener for folks. And if it's done in a nice way, that, then giving them ways that they can build lifestyle change into their life, and understand their spine and the nervous system and how well it works, then they're willing to they're willing to be patient and, and take a step at a time and get it all done and wow. make visions of what they're going to be when they're 100. I love it. I love that you help people see that uh, that far out, right? I think as leaders in our practices, the most important thing we can do is have a vision for something to have people come on board with us, right? But to have that vision for yourself and that you get to give them that gift of seeing themselves as better, faster, stronger through what you do. It's, it's pretty empowering. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit for just a moment to uh, you as a practice mm-hmm. owner and having to run a practice. Now, how many team members do you have in your practice? Right now, just me. Just you. Okay. So you go and you, I, uh, but, but you help other people well, I mean, manage I, their practices, I, right? I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. Sorry. I was going to say you help other I, people manage their practices, right? Well, no, right now I'm just a solo guy. Right. And I, and that happened relatively recently. Okay. My receptionist, my assistant, and I parted ways. Mm-hmm. And I, quite frankly, haven't been able to find somebody to be a good team member. And, so well, I've been... Well, as long as you're being patient with it, right? Because uh, you want to find the I mean, right people. I am being patient with it. Nice. And, it has, and I'm learning that it does affect your, your growth. Sure. So I do, I do need to put more energy into it and find somebody and maybe just try people along the way and not get the perfect person, right? Right. But it does slow you down, and, um, but that's, that's just the right now. Well, you know what? It's kind of just like what we were talking about is uh, being patient, knowing that it's going to come. Yeah. Might, take, may, might take you two, three, four months to find that right person. But when you do, it's going to be worth it because you're going to have the rest of the time together to actually be perfect together. Great. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, that's, that's really cool. Well, we've come to a part in our show where we do our rapid fire question and answer Q&A uh, to where we can just get a little insight into your brain and uh, give everybody listening some, some help. Does that sound fun? Yeah, it does. All right. So uh, I'm just going to ask some quick questions. You can give me some quick uh, answers back. The first question is, um, what is the number one thing that as you've been in your business for years, as you've talked to colleagues and stuff, what do you think that, or what do you wish that they would have taught you back in school? I think they would, I wish they would have taught us to understand what, um, what the author of the book, Good to Great, talks about is, is managing your hedgehogs and being very clear about what you are and what you're going to do mm. and not get too directed by selling this and doing that and 
all these other things, but establishing what it is, who you are, and then doing that. Nice. Um, but you know, they didn't teach us that in school. So yeah, I love that. that. Nice. Jim Collins, good to greats. Great book, great analogy with the hedgehog too. Love it. Uh, speaking of books, is there a book that you feel every private practice owner should read? Uh, besides good to great. Sure. I think I'm going to give you besides two. Besides good to great. <laughs> yeah. As far as chiropractic practices, uh, practitioners go, and not to be seeming self-serving, but Dr. Plasker's book, a uh, hundred year lifestyle. Yeah. Is, is a really good roadmap for helping you guide people to live a better life. Love it. Uh, and, the, and the other business book that I would recommend is in all honesty, anything by Tony Robbins. Right. Um, there are little tidbits in everything. I've never been able to read one of these books from cover to cover, but there are little sections that I go back to and you pick up on things every time. Yeah. Every I time. Totally agree. I think it's, it's great mental health stuff. I love it. I love it. We'll put links to his books and then uh, both of the bo those books and uh, the show notes as well. Well, you know, in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team and team culture and uh, that, that being the foundation for business growth. When you are out there in the ether with yourself and your own practice, what do you feel like is the biggest challenge practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? I think the biggest practice, the biggest problem that we're facing, all individual practitioners face, is this is sounding mundane, but attracting new patients. Yeah, no, it's true. Attracting people who are willing to take the step in my kind of practice to make some lifestyle changes. Yeah, um, I always have to let, allow, allow them the space to recognize that all they really want to do is get out of pain, mm. and then I have to try to con convince them or have them understand what a lifestyle change is, and how it'll affect what they do. And often have to tell them, if you just want to get out of pain, then I'm not the place to be. Uh, well, that's the hardest I don't think it's mundane at all. I think it's one of those things that more and more people need to talk, start talking more specifically about, about your ideal client and knowing who you're trying to serve. That's so important. Um, before we go into the last two questions, how can people get a hold of you and find out more about you? Well, there's two ways. The most direct way is my phone number, of course. <laughs> they can okay. dial my phone number, which is, can I give you that now? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, my, my office phone number is 310-277-0305. 310-277-0305. And if I'm not here, one of the brightest things I've done in the last year or so is contract with a live answering service. Oh, great. So somebody calls, they get a live body. Actually talking and to someone true. Can, yeah. And that, that person can schedule them, make their appointments for them and ask questions and have me, have them get a hold of me. Okay. The right. other way is my website. And What's your website? Quickly, www.absolutehealthchiropractor.com absolutehealthchiropractor.com. Well, everybody, make sure you go and check that out and send him an email, send him, give him a call. I think he can get some great wisdom off of this, especially, look, as a practice owner, you need to be putting your focus in how am I going to live 100 years because you spend all these years in your practice so that you can get to that, if you will, retirement age or that you know, next step and you need to have the health in order to do that. So um, correct. When it comes to businesses, what's the best resource or tool that you have used to grow your practice? 
Uh, the best resource I have run into is direct referral. Mm. Um, I've tried all these different sort of gimmicky things to sure. get people. And, but direct referral is the way I built my practice the most solidly. Awesome. It's direct referrals from other patients, direct referrals from people. I do work with a business networking organization, and um, you get referrals through them, which we meet on on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But I think direct referral for building a long-term strong practice is the best way to go. Absolutely. It's great. Well, I, I love it. I love everything you're doing and everything you're talking about. Like I said, it brings me back to, to the roots of my business, which is exciting. And uh, Dr. Vincent, I just really want to uh, uh, tell you thank you and how much I appreciate you being willing to come on and share your best practices with our listeners as they're driving into their homes right now or driving into their offices right now. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity of being here with you. It's been a really great thing. Awesome. Thanks. You're a great interview. And for those of you listening, remember, once again, if you've gotten anything out of this uh, episode or any of the other episodes here on the Propener podcast, remember to share it with your friends, family members, colleagues, because we're all about just helping you be more proactive in your business, more productive in your life, and actually gain more profit in all areas of your life and business. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Propener Podcast. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propener Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.